And Gary, your most valuable career tip. Bless you. Um, <laughs> I, I would go with self-awareness. I think that we need to put that word on a much bigger cultural pedestal. This is the Gary V Audio Experience. On stage with these four legends. So, ladies first. Well, I don't know if you can say that now at this camp. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Stephen Wolf Pereira, Gary Vaynerchuk, and Brian Whipple. So, um, it's a pleasure to have you all here. I'm the MD of Whaler and Mia. And really at Mia, and really at Whaler, we're certainly trying to think about how we build a modern business, a business that's, that works for everybody and works for women, and that where we have a kind of modern approach to emotional intelligence and thinking about how we humanise what we do in our workforce. So today I just wanted to really explore those themes with these guys um, and to think a little bit more about emotional intelligence and the importance it plays in building today's workplace and culture. Um, so I'm going to start with you, Brian, actually. Why do you think EQ is so important in today's workplace? Well, I don't think there's really any place where it's not important in today's workplace. So I think the question assumes that this is a, a something. I, I do not buy that there's some sort of seismic change. I think this has been there. It's just more recognized today and valued today than it's been there in the past. So that being said, uh, you follow anything about what Accenture Interactive is about, we're holistically about improving experiences and reinventing stale experiences of which there are many in our lives as consumers. And to do that, you have to connect with people as individuals, as people with their own likes and dislikes and personalities and flaws and being in tune for that rather than just how they're viewed in a data set or as a mass is actually good business yeah. as well. So it's not just something about being sweet or kind, it's actually a business driver. Yeah, definitely. And Roxanne, do you have any thoughts on that as well? Yeah, I think, um, you know, today we always talk about artificial intelligence and we talk about machine learning and I think EQ is certainly something that sets humans apart from machines. So it's not only important for all the reasons that Brian described, but today people want to be, um, you know, we're creating an environment of equality. Um, I think that that's the most important thing for business leaders to think about. It isn't just about inclusion and diversity anymore, so you don't start from a place of someone was excluded and now we're going to include them. It's about creating a culture that is an equal culture, and so everyone starts on equal footing. Um, so those are my thoughts about EQ. <laughs> it does feel like this is suddenly getting more sort of airtime, this topic now. I mean, Gary, why, why are we suddenly really talking about this and focusing on this? Just, you know, timing of serendipity. I think the reality is um, there's always new cycles. I think to your point, you know, why a, a series of a ton of events, the election in the United States, there's a million things to why. I think the important thing for everybody looking at this room, like everybody's gonna be playing in 10 years and 20 years and when it's not, the topic, it's gonna be important that we keep the momentum of the topic. When the, when the economy completely collapses globally in six years and companies are dying to stay alive, they're gonna be looking at a different perspective. And I, so I think why has a lot of things, 
but I think more importantly, I, I couldn't agree with you more. This is black and white good for your bottom line. I, I think, I think, you know, the reason we created not HR but a chief heart officer, I look at it as a business thing. Retention matters, happiness matters. You get pr- productivity for it. This is more of a CFO conversation than an HR conversation. And so my hope and what I've been trying to do with my personality type is beat the drum of like this is a business thing because inevitably in four years when things get soft, I wanna make sure that the people that look at the dollars and cents are reminded how important all this is from a P&L standpoint not just an, a, a PR standpoint. Yeah, definitely. And, and Stephen, t- tell me what, what you think, what does this look like for you in your business? You know, what does good culture look like in your business? Yeah, so I think you're seeing a complete transformation in terms of people that would bolt on things like, you know, corporate social responsibility, all these kind of functions, and really understanding that the heart of every single company has to be purpose. And actually for Encantos, we are incorporated as a public benefit corporation. So a PBC, it's more than just a B Corp, but this is what Patagonia is, what Allbirds, um, you know, Kickstarter, there are so many other companies that are really having purpose be at the core of who they are and what they stand for. And I don't think, you know, as you know, Ross Martin talks a lot about, you cannot be, you know, neutral. You have to have a point of view. I mean, Gary has a very clear point of view. You are never gonna be confused that Gary has a point of view. And I think people are hungry for purpose. And especially when you think about, you know, Gen Z and, you know, where we're focused on, uh, cause we're family entertainment. Um, you know, when you think about Gen Alpha, kids born after 2010, purpose is absolutely at the heart of all these different initiatives. So if you do not have purpose at your company, then I think it's gonna be really hard to retain the talent. Do you think, um, and Gary, this one's for you, do you think that your clients are also thinking in this way as well? Do you think that's reflected in their culture? Them on their side internally? Yeah, or the clients that, for example, you work with. Meaning um, them internally or how they view us from this perspective? Or them internally. Do you think they're thinking about purpose? I mean, we're certainly seeing it from more of yeah, our clients. Yes, I think, I think we're all seeing it. I think not to be boring and beat the same drum, we work with Fortune 500 companies who need to make numbers every 90 days. And again, yeah. I think what, if you look at the history of issues that I think we can all agree on that we'd be passionate about to happen in a good way, a lot of times they bubble up during good economic times because you're able to look at things in a 360 world, you're not just trying to make payroll. And so, yes, I think they're looking at it now. I also think they'll be the first group of people who stop looking at it when there's a meltdown. I genuinely believe that. And so this is not like guessing, this is if you look at social issues in corporate environments over the last hundred years, they flourish during better economic times. And so uh, yes, they're absolutely looking at it. We also live in a world now, to your point, where there are so many options because of the great economy. You do have to have a purpose because people can go to a lot of places and get a lot of jobs or start something for themselves in this world. So, and they, yeah. are, they also smell you know, the disingenuousness. If it's not authentic, 100%. they should wrap that And by nature, big companies feel disingenuous to us in day one. Yeah. And, and so what the biggest companies are worried about is talent, mm-hmm. is acquiring and retaining talent. And so yes, I think it's a, it's a big issue for them now. And um, Brian, in your world, are you seeing this more from clients now where they're really thinking about the agencies, the partners they're working with, they're thinking about their supply chains and on their side of things, how they are better in this space in terms of whether it's sustainability or brand purpose. Does this feel like a a big thread for you guys and the clients that you work with? 
I would say it's increasing. I would not say uh, that it has shifted adequately yet. I, I think that we're seeing, you know, in any type of structure buying process from a large client, which is really what you're talking about, you know, something between you know 30 and 60 percent of those have an element of emphasis around sustainability and diversity and other things that are EQ related that we're discussing. But that's that needs to be, you know, you know. Pushing 100%, yeah. you know, in probably the collective view of people on this panel, certainly of mine. Uh, so it's, but I would contrast that uh, from five years ago, that would be more like 10%. Yeah. So it is absolutely a major shift of emphasis for people that are spending millions and millions of dollars on various marketing and experience and media investments that they want their partners in the ecosystem to be paying attention to that. But if we're on that climb, we're not there. Yeah. That's how I would describe it. Okay. When we think about people, um, I know there's this kind of Fridays for Future campaign out at the moment. Is could we think about giving people within our oh, excuse me the opportunity to do something on a Friday, for example, for their community, for the planet, for humanity? I mean, do you got what do you guys think about stuff like that? And you know that kind of whole idea of work-life balance and being people being able to do things they're actually passionate about and making room and time for that in the workplace. Do you think that we're headed in that direction? Roxanne, maybe for I mean, you. So thinking back to, um, and by the way, I do not work at Accenture any longer. <laughs> so I, I'm looking at the thing that says Accenture up there. I don't work there any longer. Um, but when I did, um, I know that we were very committed to the community. And we really set about to ensure that our people had an opportunity to be part of the fabric of the community. And I think it's important to make the time for them and to allow them to volunteer, to give them lots of options so that they can find something that is their passion and something they believe in. But I also think that if it's going to be the company donating your time, it has to be something that accrues to the values of the company. And it has to be something that is aligned with the purpose of the company. So at Accenture, our purpose is all about improving the way the world works and lives. And that is a huge and lofty goal. Mm -hmm. um, originally, it was changing the way the world works and lives. And we thought, well, you could change it for the better or for the worse. So that was kind of a stupid position. So we changed it to improving. <laughs> and I think that people actually then feel that it's something that they, they value, they can, it resonates with them, and they can volunteer their time and get involved. But I think it also, it can't just be something that a company does. So I think people need to find something that excites them and they need to get involved in it. And it can't just be the company giving you time off to go do it. I think as human beings, as citizens of the world, we are obligated and have, you know, not a fiduciary responsibility, but a moral responsibility to get involved in the world. And so if you're gonna rely upon your company to give you time off to go do something that's good, that's kind of cheating. It has to be something that you are passionate about. So I don't know if I've addressed your question. That's brilliant. And Gary, do you have any thoughts on that? I know being kind is such an important part of your mantra. I, I, look, I think this, every single person here is trying to find the right balance between practicality and the ambition for kindness and good. And so there's a lot of businesses that aren't sustainable if their employees are off on Friday. And that's something we have to be empathetic to. I think. You know, for me, I've, I've always been funny. You know, it's funny, I love to hustle, but I think about impact. I like it, so I like what I'm doing, but if somebody 
can, I mean, as an operator with a thousand employees, if somebody is effective and they're 27 hours in the week, that's far more exciting to me than somebody not effective at 55 hours a week. And I think, even when I say that to watch so many people subtly head nod, I think as technology advances, as we make investments into paying attention to other things, I, I do think that we can start getting into a talent conversation instead of just checking the box for how many hours you're putting in, which I think is unbelievably rewarding for the business, for the human, and I, and I do see some of those subtleties uh, going that way. So I think, I think it's important in this fancy environment with fancy people for us not to get too impractical around this issue. Mm-hmm. You, know, fr- you know, I don't have half day Fridays in the summer. Like that, but I also have an unlimited vacation policy, so if you want yeah. all your Fridays off, you can do that. And I think we look at it kind of that way. But, but, but I also think that there's a way to, there's such hunger for people to not get the extra time off. They want to be at a company that truly is aligned with their values, right? Like, you know, at Encantos, we have people that show up to work every day because they believe in building family, entertainment, and education brands for today's multicultural world. That's why they get up out of bed to come to the, they cannot wait because they know they're having impact. And so they don't need a day off. They actually like, it's congruent where the work and the impact that they have every single day is tied to the purpose of the company. And I think increasingly all the direct-to-consumer brands, that's one of their competitive advantages. Yeah, definitely. I mean, just thinking about talent, um, when you guys are hiring, um, what are the sort of most important traits you look for? And has that changed over the years? Um, Brian, I'd love to hear from you on that. But that—that that is something that I would say definitely has changed. Uh, you know, I think maybe in the three to six, seven years ago range, we were looking for people who were very strong abilities, and it might be in creative, it might be in uh, commerce, technology, or digital content, or any of the things that touch our worlds. But uh, right now, uh, those things are—you know—table stakes would be one of the buzzword expressions, mm-hmm. and for we are looking for people that are well-rounded individuals yeah. that naturally play nice with others that are highly likable that are social creatures uh, that have passion and want to make a difference in the world that people tend to find that intersection of what they want to do with a purpose but they also have to add the third dimension it has to be what you want to do what you're good at with the third dimension of something that has purpose for you. And that relates to the last question you asked, because I think companies that create a very structured, you know, you will give back in this way with this structure <laughs> are trying too hard. 100%. Um, I think you need to set up an environment in which the people can do that for themselves in the interest that they have. And I think if they're not working for a company over the long term that they believe aligns with their purpose, then that's a problem. That doesn't mean that every week is going to be great or every assignment is going to be giving back to the world, but you have to back up and say, no, over the last 18 months, what have I done? Have I had a balance of things? And people that have that perspective and that's what they want, that is absolutely who we're looking for. And that is more important than a specific technology skill. So can I jump in? I I think, you know, just, you know, building on what you said, and I agree 100% with everything. When I'm interviewing people, I always look for people who are inquisitive. I mean, to me, that is a lightning rod for me. You know, when you're talking with someone, if you're sitting beside them, you're looking in their eyes, they have to have that light in their eyes, they have to have that passion and interest in learning, 
and just you know being engaged and engaged not just in their area of expertise but more broadly in everything around them. So those are things that I look for. But as also someone who's been a leader of a big function in hiring, um, my company and you know Accenture before, we had a huge commitment to inclusion and diversity and now to equality. And I think when you're hiring people, I would put out a spec uh, with the HR team and invariably some recruiting person would bring me dribs and drabs of candidates. And I got to a point where I would say, look, I'm not going to start interviewing until you provide me with a diverse slate of candidates. And only when I see a diverse slate of candidates across the board, not just men and women, but all kinds of diversity, that is when I'll start interviewing. And so as soon as, you know, like it really is easy with a hundred person company, like if she or he who's the boss and the final decision maker, like, you know, like you just impose it. You make it a requirement. It's not, you know, like, I genuinely think everything bad at VaynerMedia is 100% my fault because I'm empowering the people that are making those decisions. Like, when, when you're a small company, you know, I have a lot more empathy for the holding companies and the publicly traded companies here because they're dealing with a lot of dynamics. When you're an entrepreneur or a small company and you have full control, like, you're 100% accountable for that. Yeah, but, but I also think we need to have some real talk because when you think about have we been having fake talk? Well, I'm just, I'm just I, trying I'm to make sure I'm on the same page. Well, real talk, I mean, at, at can at large about the diversity conversation, because I know it's like now like the thing, and everyone's talking about it, everyone you know, wants to show that their commitment to it, but you really have to you know, kind of take a page out of what Gary has done. You know, when you think of, oh, I want to connect with millennials, well, do you have any millennials on your staff? Have you ever actually done a Facebook campaign, a Snap campaign, and you really walk the walk on a lot of that stuff? But a lot of folks don't actually have that talent. I would say the same thing on the diversity front, where if you look at people, there is a leaky bucket issue. And so you might have some you know, kind of entry-level folks, but who do you actually have mid-level and who actually senior. is senior people of color, women and people of color specifically, that are representative? And I don't want to hear the excuse of, oh, it's a supply problem, we can't find them. No, it exists. Mm. And so that's part of the reason why we form groups like, you know, there's the Girls' Lounge, is what we effectually call the Black and Brown Lounge, the Idea Initiative, Canon Colors Tomorrow, um, and we have you know lots of great you know partners for that kind of stuff like PNG. But it is an issue where you do not see the talent represented, and then this ties to the business because if over a third of the U.S. today is multicultural, going to a multicultural majority by 2040, you don't have to wait to the future. The future is now because. Over 50% of all millennials are diverse. Gen Z is even more deserve, you know, uh, diverse. So this is actually a business issue. You cannot grow your business without this talent. So I really question, like, what are people really doing to kind of get it out of an HR conversation, put it into the P&L, actually have folks, you know, that are on this panel really hire that talent. Brian, I'd be interested to hear from you on the, the female leaders, certainly within your organization. Do you feel that they? they have a fair shot at things? Are they listened to? Are they heard? Are they... Priority for us, and I would hypothesize that if you ask the many very successful senior leaders we have uh, that are female, I think that they would say right now that there is a very strong opportunity for them, that they are given that opportunity with equal... Um, and we've been always trying to do more. Now, do we have that in every aspect, in every uh, geographic corner and every practice area. Um, I think an answer of yes to that would be uh, somewhat ignorant and naive. 
Uh, that doesn't mean that that's not the aspiration. Um, but in terms of leadership, I think we're much more there than we are maybe elsewhere in our pyramids. Okay, great. Listen, I'm going to switch gear a little bit so we can kind of get to know you guys a bit more. Um, what's the single most valuable career tip you could give someone? So, Stephen, I'm going to start with you on that one. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, so one of my mentors is uh, actually Antonio Lucio, who's the CMO of Facebook now. Um, and he actually gave me some really great words of wisdom, which was, no matter where you are in your career, no matter what type of endeavor, the three steps are, first, learn the rules, then master the rules, then break the rules. And I feel like he's certainly going on that journey right now. I mean, if you observe him, he's such... You know, we, we call him, you know, jokingly, affectionately, El Maestro, because he really is the master. He was, you know, the CMO of HP, CMO of Visa, he was at Pepsi, and understanding how you go into an org to truly learn, and you go in with your cup empty. And then once you understand the internal game, because, you know, Antonio is one of the top CMOs on the planet, but he's been laying low, playing a very smart internal game to understand how the org works and to really identify what the problem is. And I would argue he has probably one of the toughest jobs in the world right now, but he, I think, is really now starting to come out and show a little bit of the work, but it's because he's been learning the rules. And I just think that kind of you know, methodology, it's very, um, you know, very simplistic in nature, but it's very profound. And Gary, your most valuable career tip. Bless you. Um, <laughs> I, I would go with self-awareness. I think that we need to put that word on a much bigger cultural pedestal. When I look around here, every single person, to give a blanket career advice, it just, it's gonna be vanilla. It's like a t TV commercial. It's gonna be vanilla. And, and I don't think that's bringing anybody value. So I think really getting to a place where you understand yourself, and I would say self-awareness needs to be kind of like oxygen. It's a 24-7 thing. When you're 22 and you're wide-eyed and bushy-tailed, there's something that you really want. And, and then at 26 you fall in love and you want a different, like you've gotta really check that at all times. Like what are you up to? Is it about currency? Is it about legacy? Is it about fulfillment? Work-life balance? Like I'm sure everybody here has gone through maybe one side cycle of going all in but then looking for more balance and then going back all in and so I think you've got to know what you're good at. I mean I, the reality is you know I watch so many people try to fix their shortcomings and I can and where I just wish that they would triple down on their super strengths where I think would just be far better for them. Yeah, I, I, I very much agree with that and I speak a lot in organizations and sometimes outside about the priority of personal brand which is of course built on the notion of self-aware and people spend so much trying so much time trying to improve their weaknesses and yeah. be representative to so many groups and priorities and bosses and instead you know I look at it as saying you know when you're kind of in that adult marketplace pretty much you are who you are I mean, you can bend around the edges and the expression I give yep. specifically the answer the question is this you need to be able to be yourself at work so if you have to go in and wear different clothes and use different uh, vocabulary and behave differently you're in deep shit then that's not what you're gonna that is gonna be a six month the, the four-year run or something like that you're gonna find yeah. something else you have to be able to work with the people that you're just natural around maybe not 100 point jokes <laughs> in the time but 90 percent of the time you just have to be relaxed yeah. and be yourself that that's doesn't mean right. you're not gonna work hard doesn't mean you're sometimes uh, never gonna get nervous or anything like that, but you have to be able to be yourself. Good. It can't be like, oh, I switch on this other personality when I start working. And that dimension is something 
that the younger generation is far better at than people that you know I started working yeah. with you know 20 years ago. So that's how I feel. Do, do you think this sort of you know this being able to be your true authentic self? Yeah. Oh, video creator. Can't tell what it's from. I know it's pretty cool. We talk like. Someone shut her up, please. You need a megaphone. I know. Just talk over her. We talk about this age of authenticity. Do you think we talk about? Yeah, you know, it's fine. Come to work. Be your true, authentic self. Do you think? Do you think that's actually the reality? You know, do you think people, you know, certainly, you know, can people come and be emotional? Can people have mental health issues? Is it acceptable, really? Because we talk a lot about it, but then it can obviously feel quite judgy at the same time because people want to try and be kind of a perfect brand and a perfect ambassador. It's a lot better than it was a decade ago. Yeah. You know, I, I think, you know, boiling the ocean's hard. And so, I think all of us probably recognize, you know, you know, what's been fun coming from an entrepreneurial background into Fortune 500 land is, ooh, 10 years ago, I'm like, this is really bad. Mm-hmm. And, and look, I, I think, it's funny, I actually think people don't talk up in meetings more about their actual strategies and what they believe the work should be more than who they actually are. Because of the way reporting works in this industry, everyone's pandering to the rules, yeah. to the rules, mm-hmm. right? But. Uh, it's a lot, lot better than it was 10 years ago and I think this era of so much momentum I think is gonna create more and, mm. and, and the reality is I think the big thing I encourage people is like during this great time of gl- macro global economy like you're in charge of your life too, right? Like if this place doesn't represent that you can roll and so I think it's a lot better. I think it's clearly no is the actual answer, right? You know it's super hard to go all the way there yeah. um, but, but it's a lot better. But, but, but there are different levels, right? Like, like if you're just generally an asshole, being 100% asshole at work probably doesn't work, right? But at the same time... It worked in a lot of places 10 years ago. <laughs> but, and, but it's, again, and by the way, it still works. It's relative. Which sucks. If you are black, if you are brown, if you are a woman, you do not have that license. And it's just the reality, right? If you are the one black person in the room, you cannot be the angry black man. You just can't, right? If you are the only woman in the room, There's certain things that you can't do, right? So there's all, like, we just have to be really self-aware to your point that we're all making, you know, kind of improvements in that direction. In their position because they're raising so much fucking capital are going to come down, right? And I I think this is... That's any industry, right? Yeah, but let's not paint the Nirvana of brands that their CAC is not as valuable as their LTV and the only reason they're surviving is because the Saudi prince is funding them all the way down the funnel. (laughs) That brings us to a nice point. I know actually. it's that true. That was a downer. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, Roxanne, you know why I said it? You know why I said it? I, I think it's an important time for all of it. I think we have to be very thoughtful that so much of the good that we're talking about right now is prepped by the economy. When it goes, I think it's up to everybody here, this is something you give a crap about, to keep beating on that drum. Because the one place a woman or a brown or a black can play that card is when they're the financial driver. And you see that, and I see that in organizations, and it happens in our organization. So I just think it's important. I, I, I know it's an important, important conversation. It's, it's the other shoe to this, when it drops. Okay, so I want to talk about um, what we think is the biggest and most exciting opportunity in the marketing industry. That's a very broad brushstroke question, but yeah, we're really interested to hear your thoughts on that. Um, Brian, should we start with you? 
for me, that that is very clear, uh, and that's why you know our growth is what it is, and that's why I'm doing what I do. And this is the intersection of what my group is good at and what we're passionate about. And that is, there's so many what we call experiences there that have yet to be reinvented. And you say marketing industry, so I'm using that term liberal because I don't. Do you mean advertising? Do you mean media? You know, do you mean the combination of the two? Do you mean direct marketing? Do you, all of those things. But I mean, look at, I'll just put it this way. Uh, look at the way uh, most of you probably flew here. You boarded that plane. Look at the way you, the last automobile you purchased, the, the manner and the process you went through to purchase that automobile. Specifically, look at the way, if you've ever been to an emergency room in a hospital for one of your children or a loved one, that process from the time of the injury until you're actually receiving medical care. And starting with you know what hospital is closest, what the waiting times are, should I get an ambulance, should I not? All of these things, the technology is there, uh, the processes are the capitals there, the economic environment is there to fastly improve all of those, much as in the way you know companies like Uber have revolutionized the transportation industry in urban locations. And yet we've done collectively very, very little. So that whole experience revolution, and there are many. Uh, yeah, that is where I believe, and uh, we're building, we're making big bets on that. That's where we believe this is going. It's really exciting to hear you say that. Gary, what, what, how would you respond to that? What was the question again exactly? Um, it's what do you think is the biggest and most exciting, exciting opportunity uh, in marketing, I guess marketing, advertising, communications? For me, it's, it's getting the collective industry to be a little bit more practical um, around the reality of 2019 and how the consumer interacts. I think the most exciting part is debating what's been accepted. I think this is an industry that is remarkably insular and non-consumer centric and reporting and awards and headlines are much more of the currency than the actual business results. So I think just more sense uh, is probably the thing that excites me the most. Which is kind of what Brian was saying, really. It's just about make, improving lives, making things better that are already well, there, disrupting things in a good way. Yeah, but I think what Brian's talking about, which excites me, is I mean, wait till everybody truly gets educated on the infrastructure of 5G. Like not just your cell phone is faster. Real transformative uh, infrastructure is being built and now ready to open up. Things that like I just, you know, when the asphalt is smart, when it's shit crazy. Yeah, I suppose when we're talking about marketing, we're actually thinking about, you know, services, technology, what, what's out there, what's possible. I mean, there's just a lot that you're about to see over the next two decades. Great. So part of the reason why I left the corporate world to do this family entertainment education startup is, uh, we have a thesis of three major trends that are going to transform the 21st century, which is around the three Ds. So going direct, and agree with you, lots of startups out there, but the trend of going direct to the consumer, That's 100% gonna that is a macro trend, right? You know, Disney buying Fox and Hulu assets, like that is direct to consumer, right? So startups that don't really have a business, that's one thing, but going direct is one major trend. Yes. The second is the next wave of digital and you're know, spot on. If you think about what happened in 2007 with the first generation of the iPhone, you could have never imagined Uber, you could have never imagined Airbnb, but it took a decade plus or minus for those technologies to come to life. And what here is the first 5G handset that will come out. And that will really spark the next wave yeah. of innovation. When you actually have, to Gary's point, sensors that are going to be low energy emitting sensors that can last 10 years without being replaced in everything from asphalt to street lamps and you really start to see IOT true
So it is going to transform your, your, the form factor of your phone, right? So the digital, the going direct, and then the last D is really diversity. I don't think people truly understand the power of culture that comes with diverse consumers. Gen Z being the most diverse population ever, and then you think about Generation Alpha, which we are really building towards, you know, in 20, you know, 2010 is kind of when Gen Alpha really starts. Kids born after 2010, the, I, you know, the first iPad generation, they're all digital and they're the most diverse ever, but also different types of diversity, mixed race couples, right? Yeah. Think about, you know, kind of LGBTQ families. So just the definition of family has fundamentally changed and those three Ds are going to fundamentally transform every brand, every company, every industry, and we're gonna be very focused on entertainment and education. Wow, what an answer. Roxanne, over to you. You've got five minutes. There's almost nothing that the group hasn't talked about yet. But um, I, I've been thinking, and I went to a panel right before this um, about sort of security and data integrity and privacy and everything else. And I think one of the big things that as marketing executives we need to think about is the exchange of value with the consumer, the exchange of value with the target client, and how we engage with the clients. and. They're giving us data, and we have a responsibility to use it in a way that's going to add value for the consumer. And so I think about a tangible example of that is, um, you know, I have a banking relationship, and I bought my car through the bank, and I have my mortgage through the bank, and I have, you know, all kinds of other stuff through the bank. Yet every time I have an interaction with them, it's as if I'm a new person. <laughs> they don't know who I am. And I'm thinking, every two weeks my paycheck is deposited. You have the ability to look across and you can see value in my life, which is that you're going to fill out all these ridiculous forms. And when I apply for a new mortgage, you're going to know that I have the money to afford this. <laughs> you can see everything about me in your systems. So there needs to be that exchange of value where I get something in return for being a client that uses you in all of these different siloed ways. Now, demonstrate the value for me by coming to me and saying, hey, how about this product or that product? You know, there, There is that. Or make it really frictionless and give me that great experience. So many ideas here for the entrepreneurs in the audience. Well, I'm going to finish on one question um, to Gary. Um, is there a rosé wine we can drink that doesn't give us a hangover? <laughs> <laughs> it all depends on how much you drink. Uh, and every rosé this week is grossly overpriced. So keep that in mind. Thank you so much everybody for joining our panel today. Thank you. Thanks guys for listening. Please, please, please share the podcast and make sure you've subscribed because a bunch of you aren't subscribed and more importantly, a bunch of you listen every day and haven't told your friends it's the best podcast in the world. I'm watching. <laughs> Have a great day.